Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Stacy, I'm a baker at heart and you're a savory cook to the core. I can't live without a box of frozen chicken nuggets, and you're strictly DIY. I'm team hamburger. You love hot dogs, but we agree on a lot and nothing more enthusiastically than dessert. Dessert! I couldn't agree with you more. And we don't just believe in dessert for ourselves. We believe in dessert for everyone, which is why we love Enlightened Desserts by the makers of our favorite snack, Bada Bean Bada Boom. Enlightened offers low-sugar, feel-good desserts that anyone can enjoy no matter what their food choice is. From light ice creams and snackable cookie dough bites, yum, to low-carb, single-serve cheesecakes and dairy-free desserts. You probably know me well enough to know this already, but I cannot get enough of the Enlightened single-serve cheesecakes. And because they are low-carb, which is how I try to eat, I sometimes enjoy them as a lunch dessert without worrying about any kind of crash that will destroy my afternoon. You also know me well enough to know that all I care about are the flavors. (laughs) Enlightened's variety is huge and right up my alley. From cookies and cream to marshmallow peanut butter, chocolate chip cookie dough to caramel fudge pretzel. Bring it on. Woo! Feel good desserts for all. Delivered frozen straight to your door when you order from eatenlightened.com. Find out more about Enlightened and grab a link to their site from didn'tijustfeedyou.com. And don't forget to use the code DIJFY10 to get 10% off of your order and free shipping. 
You never know what the person, what flour they're using or what buttermilk they're using. So some flour just takes more liquid to hydrate than others. Regardless as to what recipe you're using, it's going to be a different outcome unless they have the name of every product they used on it. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we get into today's very exciting episode, don't forget to subscribe right where you are listening. And if you have a minute, rate and review. Even just the stars make us happy. But if you have a second and you want to write a little something up, hey, even if it's constructive criticism, we love that too. It makes us so happy to hear from you no matter what. Okay, Megan, Stacey. listener request, Stacy Billis request. request, Megan Splawn <laughs> expertise. This episode, in some ways, has been a long time coming. Yes, I feel like we've gotten requests for this episode for a while. At least I have in my personal DMs. Um, and then more recently, we got a very specific and very detailed listener email, which we're going to answer feel like it's funny and I'm glad you said that I'm a biscuit expert and I love that this episode gives us the opportunity to address what it means to be an expert in food media and source where your expertise comes from. So this episode has been a while in the making because I have become a biscuit expert over the last 10 years, but I can credit Everything that I know about Southern food, about biscuits, and about fried chicken to Black people in my life. My mom dated a Black man for 10 years of my life, and that's where I learned about Sunday suppers and fried catfish and cornbread. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I had the opportunity to work with Erica Council, who's our guest today, and learn even more about in particular biscuits, but also she's heavily influential on my fried chicken recipe. And so, you know, in doing the work that we're all doing right now to become activists, to be continuing to work in allyship, we have to acknowledge where things come from and do the best we can to give those sources the platform that they deserve. And I just also love Erica so much. And I'm so happy that she agreed to come on this episode. And what's really fun for me is that I learned from her, but now like she has a whole biscuit business, Bomb Biscuits in Atlanta, and I like make biscuits every week for my family and we're both experimental with our biscuits, but we also have totally different ethos about biscuit making and I think different methods for making biscuits. So I think it's one of those like really fun deep dives into a particular recipe. But don't worry, because we're also going to address how mastering a biscuit will help you create fun and easy family dinners and breakfasts. I'm so excited for this. You were very adamant about not talking about biscuits until Erica could talk to us. (laughs) Yes. I feel strongly about that. Yeah. And so recently her business, which is based in Atlanta, started shipping nationally. And as soon as we saw that news, we shared her business in our newsletter. So people, if you aren't subscribed, every Friday we feature a business, a product, something we love that makes your kitchen better, makes your eating more fun. So we had featured Erica, but we still hadn't figured out how to get her on the show yet. 
And so we waited until now and I couldn't be more excited. Erica has also, I know from just years of being in the food industry, food writing, recipe developing industry, she's also very influential with a lot of very important organizations, namely the Southern Foodways Alliance which has been doing the work of telling the real stories of Black Americans, African Americans, Southern food for a very long time, since way before 2020, when you are now seeing so many other publications and organizations kind of scrambling to tell stories that have been ignored for way too long. So I was also very excited to get to talk to her in person. Yes. Do you think we should just introduce her or jump right in? (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. Erica Council is a charismatic food writer and also person. She's very charismatic. Recipe developer and photographer behind the popular website Southern Souffle. Erica has become a fixture in the Southern culinary world with her popular biscuit company Bomb Biscuits in Atlanta, Georgia. Her work has been featured in New York Times, Savour, Food and Wine, The Local Palette, Atlanta Magazine, Food 52, among many others. Outside of her kitchen, Erica has become a sought-after voice on the topic of African-American food, social justice, and food's impact on community, which we get to talk to her about. She's worked with the Southern Foodways Alliance, as well as the Atlanta History Center, hosting cooking demos and Sunday suppers and speaking on the history of African-American cuisine and the social impact food has on communities. Erica lives in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I met her. She's a native of North Carolina and attributes her passion for food and community to her grandmothers. One of these grandmothers, Mildred Mama Dip Council, is a Southern cooking icon, award-winning cookbook author, and owner of the famous Mama Dip's Kitchen restaurant in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Erica, among all those other things, is also a mom of two. I have something to admit that I'm really embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. I've only baked biscuits once. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like ever. It feels really, really crazy. Even though I'm a professional recipe developer, I feel like she's already the pinnacle and then you're her pinnacle. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not even going to try. So in some ways, I want to start at the very beginning. What are the essentials? What is the foundation of a really good home-baked biscuit. So my answer is going to be different than what you read in a lot of books for people who like to write like in detail recipes about biscuits, in my opinion, are ridiculous. Like I learned how to make biscuits. The best <laughs> biscuits I've ever had were made with Piggly Wiggly all-purpose flour, some lard. Um, our cousin had a barbecue restaurant, so my grandma would get lard from there and just really ice-cold, thick, old-fashioned buttermilk. Of course, you have baking powder, baking soda, I mean, and stuff like that. But that's it. And so, like, those biscuits from memory are the best biscuits I've ever had. But now, I guess, to me, the, to make a good biscuit, you need really good buttermilk. Full fat buttermilk and some really buttery butter. <laughs> I mean, because people don't want short uh, lard anymore because it's pigs and but in my opinion i would say buttermilk like you can't skim on the buttermilk the one they sell in a grocery store it's like low fat it's just water you might as well make beaten biscuits out of water yeah I just mean, throw it down the drain pour it down the drain in my opinion you know you might as well just use regular whole milk yeah um and just you, you don't need a butter if you if you want buttermilk biscuits you need to get the fat full fat buttermilk do you think you could just walk us through your personal biscuit method 
as it stands right now. I know for me, even over the years of making biscuits, I've like changed a little bit over time, like as I've learned and also living in different places and having to adjust to, like you said, what different flours and buttermilk and fats that are available. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear like, you don't have to give away all the secrets of bomb biscuits, but like, mm-hmm. what are you, how do you make a biscuit right now if you're making them at home? Um, just all purpose flour. Um, if I'm making buttermilk biscuits, baking soda, baking powder, salt, and just really good butter. Like I'll use either um, Kerrygold for mass production of biscuits. We have um, this European butter that you get from the truck off the Cisco truck. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's it's as close as you can get without spending a thousand dollars on a pallet of Kerrygold. Um, yes. And, you know, and really good. I use Cruise Dairy Farm buttermilk. Um, there's another buttermilk company. I cannot remember. Um, but uh, Mary Scholl, she's a chef that works with me. She's from coastal Georgia, Brunswick area. And so she knows a guy with some buttermilk there. And his is very close. Um, so I used that the other day. I can't remember the name of it for some reason. The thing that I'm getting here as a beginner is like, I need to find my person. Like, I need to find my buttermilk person. Like no, New York no, State has a lot of dairy, that. right? I don't I want like... you to think that though. So if you if you go to the grocery <laughs> store and they have Mayfield, okay, the yeah, Mayfield full fat, like the fat buttermilk, the whole one hundred percent buttermilk, not okay. the one that says low fat or anything like that. All you right. can do just as well with that. All right. Well, I'm still going to find my buttermilk person because that actually <laughs> sounds like a fun side project. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's a good the the point is that it needs to be full fat. Yes. And with such simple ingredients, then does it really come down to just ratios and technique? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you don't want to work it too much. So you don't want to beat it to death. So once you get the butter in there, whether you're grating it in or you're chopping it up using a pastry cutter or a fork or whatever to mix it in with the flour, you know, and you add the buttermilk just to get the the flour and everything, just to get the, everything stuck like, where it's sticking together. So it'll still crumble somewhat when you roll it out onto the surface like a pie crust. I think that, I mean, that's really all there is to it. It's just, it's it's more so the more you do it, the more familiar you'll become with it. I mean, you see a lot of things about, well, if the, if the butter is too hot, it won't work. If that butter is melting when you grate it in there, cut out those biscuits and stick them in the freezer for about 15, 20 minutes, it'll be fine. So I think it's not being worried about how it's going to turn out. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't turn out right, you know, you just do it again. But it will turn out right eventually. I mean, because every time you do it, you'll say, okay, well, this this part here that took longer when I was rolling it out or, or something like that. And, and, and you'll, you'll come to this realization of, okay, let me just take my time. I'll roll this out. If, if the butter's starting to melt, let me throw them in the freezer, then bring them out. Everything will be fine. Don't stress. This, I feel like, speaks to something at the heart of why I think maybe all three of us really love cooking and baking, that in the haste of like busy life and the stress, especially of this year, this idea that home cooks can just take their time and experiment and like trial and error and be okay if it doesn't come out well, like it doesn't really matter. You have another chance to do it. I love this idea of just returning back to this kind of 
be one with your food. It's really simple. Just clear your mind and enjoy it so that you can see how it feels when it turns out right and make little adjustments here and there. Yeah. And I just want to jump in and say that for me, like getting to watch you make biscuits in person, one of my biggest takeaways was actually to not be so like fussy and gentle with biscuit recipes. Like you're saying, there are so many food writers and recipe writers. And I think Stacy and I are both guilty of this at certain mm. times who are like, you have to keep the butter as cold as possible mm. and you want to avoid overmixing. And I, I know that one of my very first batches of biscuits like was a complete fail because I was actually like a little too gentle with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you can kind of talk to us about like how can we strike the delicate ba- balance of like giving our biscuits enough mixing without over mixing them and like what should the dough feel like before you cut out your biscuits? Wow. Well, so I think there's a couple things just from the very beginning of the recipe. I, I probably should have said that first. So you never know what the person, what flour they're using or what buttermilk they're using. So some flour just takes more liquid to hydrate than others. Like yes. if you're using King Author. So regardless as to what recipe you're using, it's going to be a different outcome unless you, unless they have the name of every product they used on it. And then you're using those exact same products. I mean, even now with buttermilk, one of the, the things I wax poetically about when it comes to buttermilk is because it's so hard to find real buttermilk that's churned from the butter versus this, you know, the commercial buttermilk, which you buy in a grocery store, which is not the same thing. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, depending on what ingredients you have. So if you are using, you know, King Arthur flour, I'll use that, for example, because I use, I use that a lot. Um, and, you know, you've got it mixed in and you have some buttermilk from the grocery store, which is just low fat milk, honestly. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, you're mixing it together. It might only take a cup and a half of that. Whereas if you were using full fat buttermilk, you might have needed two cups because it's, you know, thicker. So it just depends where it versus watery, you know. So when it, it comes to the dough, like you, you want it to still be kind of crumbly you don't want your biscuit dough to be gosh uh, this lady used like a cake it. batter you don't yeah, want it to no, be that wet you, yeah not if you're if you're using so if you're making regular meal rolling them out and cutting biscuits you don't want it to be that way but yeah if your biscuits turn out that way <laughs> take it and put it in a, a bowl of butter that's melted and cut squares in it with a knife and stick it in the oven. I think for a lot of African-Americans, I'll say one of the things about taking your time and just being okay with it is because you don't have a choice. It's not really like, okay, I'm just learning the recipe. It's like, okay, this didn't turn out right. What can I do to turn this over into something else? And then the next time, you know, I mean, it's, that was more so out of necessity, more than I guess a feel good story. Like I, I got the, that that part. Yeah, I, absolutely. Like you want to take your time and get. But a lot of the ways that I learned was like, okay, you added too much batter to that biscuit dough. I think I did the same for Garden and Gun with Kim Severson, and I, you know, I did it wrong. And my grandma Dip was like, "You gonna make pancakes out of that." So, I mean, you know, it's yeah, not that, like, yes. you, you have to eat it. Yeah. So how do you save it? Yeah. yeah. So don't stress. But but yeah. So for when you're making like, you know, your traditional biscuits where you're cutting them out with biscuit cutters, not glasses. I hate that recommendation. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> get a knife. 
you know, you, you want it to still be slightly crumbly um, because when you, when you roll it out into the surface, you can take some of that, you know, some of that crumbly, you know, smeared butter and with the flour will stick back in with the dough. Um, so, you know, a visual, I guess, would be, you know, when silly putty sits out too long. Mm, yes. And it's crinkly on the outside, totally. but when you poke it, it's still real soft and mushy, kind of. So, I mean, not too mushy, but I think that's so helpful. Maybe. I completely <laughs> know what you mean. <laughs> so, I don't know if maybe only the parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It. I was just trying to think of something that would be. But that's yeah. really, really helpful. Can I backtrack for one second? Why do you both hate the glass recommendation? Oh my gosh, because it just smushes all the layers that you've just worked so hard to develop back down. It makes me think of, you know, that viral trend right now where everyone's like taking wine glasses to cut oh, into yeah, cakes. Yeah. I hate that. Oh. It's like all the work that the baker did to make a beautiful cake, you're just destroying it. And then that's the terrible. outside of the glass is nasty. Like, why? Yeah, why? That's terrible. <laughs> that? That's terrible. I hate Anyways, that. <laughs> yeah, a sharp knife is your best bet if you don't have a biscuit cutter or round circle cutters. Like, yeah. just use a knife and make square biscuits. They'll be so much better. Yeah, that's such an odd recommendation. I've never seen that until I kind of got into, you know, looking at mainstream media and people using that and then adding vinegar to your milk. Whole yeah, milk to make the faux buttermilk. Yeah, just use yeah. the whole milk. I guess it's just interesting. So what is the deal with the vinegar? It creates the chemical no reaction, but you don't get any more fat content. I mean, it doesn't, you're still dealing with something that's thin and has the same amount of fat content. Yeah. Yeah, you see it a lot in like vegan biscuit recipes because you can use alternative milks and then the vinegar still activates the baking soda and baking powder. But generally with those like vegan biscuits, then you have to add a lot more fat in whatever form you're using. If you're using like vegetable shortening or coconut oil, then you have to like add a lot more to compensate for not having the fat of the buttermilk. Yeah. Okay. Now, Erica, we're going to put you under the spot because... (laughs) I preach so often that like biscuits are this great weeknight baking project that you can do or you can make them on the weekend because I feel like once you understand basic buttermilk biscuit dough, you can actually like manipulate it into a lot of things, whether it's like a pizza or casserole topping. And I know that bomb biscuits make cinnamon rolls, which are really popular. So what are some of the ways that you manipulate biscuit dough into either like breakfast or dinners for your family or even just serve regular biscuits as dinner? Yeah, we've been doing that a very, very long time. (laughs) I love when people say things are new ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Every idea comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, so like the pizza crust thing, my great aunt used to do that. So we used to roll. I mean, just because it's quick bread, right? So the pizzas, I mean, we've done that for a while. I mean, the cinnamon rolls, we used to, I used to do that with regular biscuit dough, but now it's more of like an angel biscuit because it has yeast. It just softens longer. You know, I mean, as far as biscuits, like monkey bread, pastries, make pastries out of it with the flaky pastry crust sort of like a pocket like you could make like a pizza pocket with it or like an empanada style pastry with it that and um danishes we make a Mm. danish um dough with it it's and it's literally just the we with that i add water to it yeah so it's kind of like a beaten biscuit beaten biscuits can get real flaky if you manipulate them enough and then you kind of grate the butter and keep folding it just like you would do like um 
laminated dough. Yeah. Or even a pie, sort of like a pie crust in some ways. Yeah. In pie crust, yeah. we do that. Savory, our savory quiches that we sell are all biscuit pie crust. Oh, yum. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, for at home, I guess what I would do a lot is with pizza. But, you know, I try to stick when it comes to biscuits at this point, I really kind of just stick to uh, either adding things into the biscuits to make them more special biscuits or do really cool things with them like pretzels which I see everyone is doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, and then you know or you know cinnamon sugar just doing a lot of things where you're adding stuff to it sour cream and onion like for at home you know I do a lot of stuff more so like that like adding more to the biscuits versus turning them into something what's your favorite latest flavor creation our most popular one is the maple sausage so we get this um sausage that's got the guy this guy here in atlanta and it's it's this maple sausage and cheddar and we kind of add that into like you know your basic run-of-the-mill buttermilk biscuit it's hugely popular (laughs) last week i think we did like 150 some odd orders of those. Wow. So those are very popular. <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah. Add meat to it and everything will be fine. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> chop, up, chop up some bacon and roll it in there and you're good to go. Yeah. 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 Before we hear more from Erica, let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsor. Stacey, both of us encourage home cooks to make homemade stock whenever possible, since there's nothing quite like its deep, soul-nourishing taste. At the same time, we both know that it's not always realistic to do so. You can say that again, which is why we always have store-bought broth in our pantries. You cannot beat the convenience. But I've got exciting news. Thanks to Zoop Good, really good broth, there's a way to have convenience and that simmered all-day taste. Zoop Good, really good broth is a premium line of broth that makes it easy to add rich homemade taste to even the quickest weeknight meals. It's a flavor-forward alternative to many of the packaged broths you find in the supermarket. That's so true. We've both done taste tests for work and can promise. Zoop Good, really good broth is a collection of best-in-class, Small batch broth, so delicious, they're good enough to drink. And everyone is kettle cooked in small batches, as well as paleo friendly and completely free of artificial ingredients, preservatives, hormones, gluten, GMOs, fat, trans fat, and saturated fat. Woo! Their lineup includes a range of chicken, veggie, and beef broths, bone broths, and a brand new seafood broth and a spicy chicken bone broth that I cannot stop sipping on for a quick mama lunch. Visit zoopbroth.com or at zoopgoodreallygood on Instagram for recipe ideas. Zoop Good Really Good Broth can be found at many retailers across the country, such as Walmart, Sprouts, and Kroger, plus online now, at walmart.com and zoopbroth.com. Like making biscuits or and order from Amazon and be sure like to use to them off Feed You Zoop to you get 20% off your order. make biscuits ahead of time and then freeze them and bake them off from frozen? That's the only way I make them at oh, home. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, at home, it's really the only way I make them. For bomb biscuits, we make them all fresh. I mean, unless you're ordering frozen biscuits, of course, because we sell those in Atlanta, too. Yeah. Um, but at home, like, every, like my freezer's full of frozen biscuits. Like, even the ones that have already been baked, 
and frozen ones that aren't baked and frozen. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that's more so because of a time thing. Um, if I'm like just doing something at home, I either make um, drop biscuits or what we used to call um, butter swims, which is the one where you just pour the dough into melted butter and you cut it. Yeah. Tastes like fast food biscuits. So that's the only way I do it at home. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So I would wait, recommend that. <laughs> again, I need to backtrack a little bit as the biscuit novice. Mm-hmm. We're talking drop biscuits, mm-hmm. cut biscuits, yeah. butter swim. Are there other types? I mean, beaten biscuits, but those are, I mean, ones that you don't like traditionally cut out are more so the drop biscuits and what we call butter swims. I Mm -hmm. think they, I've seen people call them grace biscuits or somebody said these are saving grace biscuits, whatever they call them in Mississippi, (laughs) Um, but we call them butter swims in North Carolina. So, And are they just different levels of liquid in the dough like how much the flour has been hydrated or are these completely different recipes the job biscuits or the butter spoon? all of them i'm just curious about all of them like i know i i need a biscuit education so yeah like the drop biscuits <laughs> yeah so the drop biscuits have more liquid in them got it so you have like a looser dough a softer looser dough yeah okay yeah and then the butter swims are they have more liquid in them but you're also using melted butter yeah so it's very loose but it's not like watery it's yep. it's just very loose dough kind of almost like the the drop biscuit dough but in some drop biscuits we add butter to them for the Got butter sims it's, no, it's like you melt like a whole stick of butter in like a cast iron skillet like i've seen these cooked outside a lot and then you put them you know you sort of put all your dough in the cast iron skillet and then cut um, you know, you take a knife and just draw lines, squares yep. in it, <laughs> and you just cook it in the oven that way. That sounds delicious. And the butter soaks up into the dough as it bakes. Yes. Presumably. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. My God, there's so much. I had no idea. Yeah. And then there's also angel biscuits, which, Erica, I hope you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but they're usually like a, a yeast leavened biscuit. So you're not using baking powder or baking soda, but you're using yeast to rise them. You use baking powder, though. Oh, baking powder. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then also cream biscuits, where instead of butter and buttermilk, you're using heavy cream to make a biscuit, which is, I think, more related to a scone. But also sometimes I use that if I'm wanting to like make more of a sweet biscuit. Yeah, but all of those are still biscuits that you roll out and cut. Like for I sure. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're looking for something that's not like where you're trying to, you know, manipulate that dough to roll it out and cut, I mean, that would still be the same process with those biscuits. But yeah, yeah. You got your cream biscuits. Cream biscuits are, are really easy if you have self-rising flour, if you have access to white lily, which is, mm-hmm. you know, people love white lily and some cream. That's all you need to make a biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Erica, pretty much everything that you know about biscuits, I know that you learned from both of your grandmothers. But how has what they taught you about food also impacted what you know about running not only a biscuit business, because your grandmother also ran an iconic meet and three, and then also about the activism that you support through your business? Mm -hmm. You you know, I I talk about my grandmas a lot, but there's... I was surrounded by people who cooked, I guess you could say, um, especially 
you know, aunts. Uh, I had a great uncle who made great biscuits. The, the, the recipe that went viral where you leave the, the edges on the biscuits was actually one he learned from big, my big mama. But yeah, I guess from them in regards to community, you know, it, it's always been a thing you, you, you cooked and what you cooked, you helped the people in your neighborhood, your community, um, you know, and collectively African-Americans, you know, we had to find a way to be sufficient enough to, to uplift us all because there was no other help or source of relief coming. So a lot of people found creative ways to, you know, raise money during the civil rights or just to, just to give back to the community in general. And a lot of that was through food, whether it was plate sales or, you know, you, you know, roll your barbecue, uh, grill up, you're selling plates, just, just anything. Um, and so that's just something I had exposure to my whole life, I guess. And then when it came to the restaurant industry, like on both sides of my family, like on my mom's side, you know, we're related to Scott's Barbecue out of Goldsboro, North Carolina. So there was just never a, anywhere I went, I saw the, both the struggles of African-Americans in business and then, you know, the successes in it too. And, and just, you know, all the methods and, and just everything that we cooked and put together, you know, I always saw that from an African-American viewpoint. So when I started, I guess, blogging and things like that, and I just saw that it just seemed as though we were missing from every single narrative when it comes to biscuits and especially when it comes to bread. Um, you know, I try to just, when I'm talking about food in general, I try to make sure that I hearken to the fact that everything I learned came from Black women and men. Um, and then, you know, and then in that, I learned that as you're finding success or whatever it is that you're finding, you, you need to take what you're doing and make sure you're pool as you climb, which is the African-American ethos. So if you're raising money, if you're doing this and you're getting money, then you need to figure out how you can use that money to help somebody, you know, help your people, basically. So I hope that answers the question. Like I could <laughs> ramble on forever about that, but. Yeah. But also talk about how like you used your biscuit, originally like your dinner pop-ups and now bomb biscuits to actually create an after-school program that, that does uplift your community. Yeah, I mean, that was a few years ago. But yeah, we had Sunday suppers and we used that money to we were running these um, STEM programs out of some APS schools here in Atlanta. And so it was just an after school program that taught kids scratch, which is like a, a coding software. It's very easy to use. But this, God, this is at least seven or eight years ago now. Um, yeah. And then even on from that, just also being able to donate all the any devices or things we have to kids that don't have access to those and everyone was doing virtual learning and things of that nature. So, so yeah, I mean, we did for the Sunday supper clubs, we did use pretty much all whatever proceeds was from that um, to just help keep funding um, those programs we were doing at the schools at the time. Which is just incredibly powerful. And I think it speaks to a lot of what y'all love about food in that it is community and it's a touch point into so much more than just biscuits, right? Like mm -hmm. it is an opportunity to help your community and to give back. Erica, that's all very amazing. I want to circle back really quick talking about the media and how you feel like African-Americans have been 
not represented in mainstream media, I'm assuming food media in particular. And now it seems like over the last year, especially, there's been a frenzy to correct that. I don't know if yeah. that's how how it's seen or how it's intended, but yeah. how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that it's there's this reckoning to correct you know, whatever those in power deem is incorrect. But at the same time, I think it's been so much whitewashing, I guess you could say, of just yeah. every food genre in general. I mean, I, I guess for me, when it comes, to, especially when it comes to biscuits and bread baking, I mean, I just, I have so many people tell me about another white woman who makes biscuits or, or breads or anything like that. And I'm always just like, okay, great. That's great. But like nothing I learned in reference to food, to be 100% honest, came from white folks. When it came to the point of, okay, now I'm in this culinary space, I was just floored just by how, wow, like, <laughs> you guys don't talk about us at all. So just to see it now, it's it's been interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm glad, like, um, Brian wrote the, this, like, a guy wrote a, a book about sourdough, and I just, you know, was so happy to see his book come out because when it comes to just bread in general, anything, in, in my opinion, that people think takes skill, you know, they completely remove African-Americans from mm -hmm. the narrative. So like with the sourdough thing, I remember we were on all this sort of group chat. I mean, because we, we talking about folks, right? Because it's like, OK, now y'all want to ask this question. <laughs> but, you know. And, and it was like, I, I would talk about my great aunt Fanny and she lived to be like 110 years old, but she would keep these jars like in different areas of her kitchen. And like, she would open it up and smell it. And she, depending on which one she chose, she'd make this brown bread mm -hmm. out of it. Then you've never tasted anything. Like, I've never tasted anything like that in my life ever again. And it was sourdough. And I remember Tony, talking to Tony Tiffin Martin when she wrote the recipe about salt mm -hmm. rising bread. And we were just sort of just talking about our experiences in general. Like, like they really think they think we don't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so when it comes to like right now, I mean, I think it's good from what I'm seeing. But I also have seen it kind of slack back off. Yeah. Um, and then just the same people who've been able to to keep the same stories rolling, keep rolling. You know, I'm working on a book about biscuits and I hope, you know, that it, it comes to be like I want it to because um, it's kind of like an ode to like all the black women who taught me about biscuits, like from all the cookbooks, Princess Pamela and yeah. Strawberry Wine, just just all kinds of Lena Richards, just Cleora Butler. I mean, that was the first cookbook I got for, you know, for graduation like 100 years ago and her first sort of story in that book she's talking about making biscuits for her mom to try to impress her mom this is 1911 right wow so you know it's it's kind of like for me it's just when I read those stories I'm like these are my stories you know but like when when I mentioned about writing a, a biscuit book a couple of years ago I had an agent tell me biscuit books had already been written and they gave me <laughs> Natalie Dupree and <laughs> Cynthia Gravalt so I'm like I know them and that's yep. great uh, but, you know, I mean, you, you have a whole sort of aisle of cookbooks that's missing certain faces because you think only certain people can write these stories. 
Uh, so, I mean, I think the amount of correction that's needed will take a long time, but I'm glad to see, you know, I'm glad to see that things are changing. Um, I think that, you know, you run into some some drama, like, you know, and they try to say John T doesn't get to tell the stories, but I, I, yeah. I for SFA, but I'll say as a member of SFA, as, as a Southern Foodways person, like I'm here because of Southern Food. I know no one took an interest in our stories, but SFA. Yeah. Now that it's cool, you know, you know, while I see the, how it could be problematic to have a white man on the face of an organization, but he's never had a problem passing the mic, right? So I think, you know, you, you kind of got to, you know, look at those who have really been out here trying to get our stories told versus those who are now rushing to do so just to make their publications look good. I, I, I worry about, you know, people sort of <laughs> looking more to those as like, oh, we're going to correct this publication versus those who really have been fighting to get our stories told yes. for a very long time. Yeah. And who will continue to do so after it stops being this trend, yeah. which we've seen it be recently. Right. Well, we're so excited that you're writing a biscuit book. I know we come <laughs> back. So we can promote it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with biscuits. Yeah, talking with biscuits. Talking about biscuits with us. Talking today. with biscuits. Yeah. I love <laughs> can your, that can you. be your nickname, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> talking with biscuits. No, it's Erica's podcast that she's gonna create in all the free time she has. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, that'll never be. But <laughs> I'll join other people's podcasts, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're welcome here anytime. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. So, Megan, I feel like Erica has started my education on biscuits, but you mentioned that you learned everything you know about biscuits from her, but as often becomes the case, the student, you know, can veer off and start developing their own style, their own theories as they practice over and over and over. And you kind of alluded to that. And we also have this question from a listener. And the question is specifically about, actually, it's multiple questions, <laughs> are specifically about your recipe. So I just want to get a little procedural because, you know, it reminds me of the sourdough episode when I was like, I know you guys, all these big ideas, but like, how do you make sourdough? But like, really? Walk us through. Really? Yeah, how do you make sourdough? I totally get that. Like, walk us through how your approach now differs from Erica's and help me see how to make biscuits quickly from your point of view. Yeah. So when I first watched Erica make biscuits, she was making them actually or making mixing the dry ingredients and the fat in a food processor. So she'd put like her flour, baking powder, baking soda and salt in the food processor, give them a quick pulse and then pulse in the chunked fat, whether she was using lard or butter. And then move all of that to a bowl to mix in the buttermilk. Now, I think that's actually like a really wonderful idea. You see that a lot. We talked about it specifically in our pie episode where we talked about pie crust. Like that's one way to work in the fat so that you get a flaky dough or flaky biscuit as an end result without having to worry about overworking the dough. I personally hate dragging out my food processor. And this is a trick that I actually learned from chow.com back in the day, which is I mix all of my dry ingredients in a bowl. And then I take 
very cold butter. I used to call for frozen butter. In fact, the recipe on the kitchen calls for it. But now I just wait until I'm ready to grate and I just pull it straight from the fridge. I feel like it's a little easier on my wrist than like the frozen butter is to just use my box grater, grate the butter and incorporate those little like strands, shreds of butter into the dry mixture before adding the buttermilk. Can we pause right here? I just want to know if your mention of the box grater is low key shade. On no, it, this is the number one reason why I feel like everyone <laughs> needs a box grater so that so they can make biscuits. Do I like actually, after all of my hemming and hawing, need to get one? Because I have a microplane, like one of the bigger ones. So it makes yeah. big shreds, but it is going to be a different texture. Yeah. And I would say if that's what you have or you don't have a box grater, you're much better off, again, not using the frozen butter because it'll be too cold to incorporate if you do it like this. But really cutting your butter with a sharp knife into pea size or smaller cubes. In fact, sometimes I like take the like quarter the length. Yes, um, yes, butter. yes, So yes. you get these like giant I do that for pie, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then instead of like making that cubes, I almost like slice it. So you're getting these tiny little sheets. Yes. They remind me of those like math cubes, you know, that your, totally, your third grader totally. might have to do counting with. So then you have these little tiny sheets of butter to incorporate into your flour mixture. And Samin Nasrat, she has this great description for it where she says, when you're working in the butter to the flour it's sort of like you're you're ma- you're not just like pressing it all together you're using the tips of your finger and you're almost making this ka-ching movement like you would when you're talking about money do you know what i mean i do that actually <laughs> totally makes sense <laughs> and ka-ching. i think that's a, a really good description many moons ago i actually tested her recipe against some others and one of the things she suggests which aligns with what erica said is that if you feel like your but- your butter is getting too soft, either when you're incorporating it into the flour or after you've added the buttermilk, you can at any point in time just pop the whole bowl in the freezer for a few minutes or pop the cut out biscuits into the freezer. And that will help the butter firm up, which will help with your rise. And actually, we'll get a little more into that with this listener question. Okay, wait. I want to st- I want to stick with butter for one more second. Yeah. What about using your food processor? if you don't mind dragging it out, with the greater attachment. Totally. You can do that. But okay. again, it's like two, one or two sticks of butter, depending on how large of a batch you're making. And for me, that's that's not worth grating my okay. processor when I could use my box grater or just use Got a sharp it. knife. Yeah. Okay. So you're mixing all your dry ingredients in a bowl. You're working the butter that you've grated in. in. And then you work the buttermilk in. Yeah, actually... I like to make a little well in the flour mixture, sort of like you do with any quick bread method. So then you pour all of the buttermilk in and then you take a big spatula and fold the dry ingredients into the buttermilk. And with my recipe, it'll end up like a little bit sticky, but a little bit dry. But once it kind of forms a loose shaggy ball, then you can move it onto a floured work surface and start folding it. And just like Erica said, if you have some little bits of butter and like sticky bits of flour that sort of like 
fall off when you're moving it, just kind of pick those up with your fingers, dust them onto the top of your dough ball, and then fold them in as you're folding the dough over onto itself. This sounds so much like pie dough to me. It is a lot like pie dough. So the goal, what I understand of pie dough, which I've tested mm, like so many more times than, well, I've tested biscuit zero, but is that you really want pockets of butter. Yes, you do. That's because that's where that you're going to get that flakiness. Yeah, not really. Not pockets might be the wrong word because I think of pockets as big and deep, but you definitely want like flakes of butter. Got it. But and right? like a, some with pie dough, I like having them of various sizes, like all within a range. But like if there's one or two slightly bigger ones that I find that very like satisfying. I like yes, that. Yes, okay. I agree. And okay. it's good. Like when you were, are folding over the dough as you start to see those kind of sheets of butter, that's yep. like, that's the business. That's yes. how you know you got it, right? Okay. Okay. And I want to talk about folding a little bit because I think this is a little bit unusual in that we're asking you to fold when so many recipe writers are like, oh, you want to be really gentle with your biscuits. And this is a mistake I made for years. It wasn't until I really watched Erica kind of be rough with her biscuit dough that I was like, oh, I don't need to be so gentle. So I fold my dough over probably eight, maybe 10 times, just depending on the weather. Like if it's a humid day, it seems like it needs less and less flour. Um, If it's a dry day, it sometimes feels like it needs more. It's all like just dependent on the flour that you're using, the quality of buttermilk that you're using, all those things that Erica really touched on. And then after it's folded, I pat it out into like a 13 by 9-ish shape to cut out my biscuits. And you can totally use a knife just like (laughs) Erica and I were talking about. I would much rather you make a square biscuit with a sharp knife than use a glass or a jar to try and cut your biscuits out. Then you're just going to push down all those layers that you worked so hard to build and you're not going to get those that that beautiful flaky side view that I love to see on yes, the biscuit. Yes, we and know because we follow <laughs> you on Instagram. <laughs> we know that you side know. View. Yes. So and then uh, Erica baked her biscuit recipe in a cast iron skillet, which I used to do for a really long time more recently. And I think this is because I kind of have an unreliable oven in Boise. I just bake them on a sheet pan, no parchment, unlined sheet pan, but making sure that they are like just barely touching because supposedly, I don't actually know if this, the science matches this, this rumor, they help each other climb that way. Like they give each other something to stay pull up on. So they'll be taller. And A really weird thing that I picked up along the way is to take your thumb and make an indent on each of the raw biscuits to sort of help them rise evenly and not rise pattywampus and fall over. And then I bake them at 425 for like 18 to 22 minutes, depending on how many biscuits I'm making and how thick they are. Okay, so if you're not following a recipe, which I know is very advanced and I'm not there yet. Is there a basic ratio that you think of, like flour to butter to buttermilk? And do you ever add a little bit of sugar? Okay. I don't know if there's like an exact ratio. I mean, I have my personal biscuit recipe memorized, so we could talk through it, which is to make about a dozen biscuits, I use four cups of flour, a tablespoon of baking powder, a teaspoon of baking soda, a teaspoon of salt, two sticks of butter, and two cups of buttermilk. 
I only ever use sugar if I am making a cream biscuit or an angel biscuit, which we talked about with Erica. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And if I, if the profile is like I'm making a lemon poppy seed biscuit yeah. or a funfetti mm. biscuit and it Ooh. needs that sweetness. <laughs> Otherwise, I am anti-sugar in a traditional buttermilk biscuit. Samantha's our editor. Samantha, grab that <laughs> clip. <laughs> It will never be said again. It was just said said right here, right now. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to take it. I'm going to pull it out of context and it's going to be ransom if we ever get into a fight. I'm going to like, I'm going to put this all over the Internet. (laughs) Billis, your Leo is showing. (laughs) Ruin your reputation. It's fine. You said I'm anti-sugar. doesn't go. Anti-sugar and biscuits. Oh, And my I stand gosh. by that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so really quickly, I think we should answer Amy's question. Let's do it. So Amy okay. Roosh wrote to us, right? Yep. Her very first question is that she followed your recipe, but she only got three biscuits. Yeah. Four. She says four. four. Plus one weird one, which we call the cat head biscuit. And actually, it's my favorite biscuit. Because it's all like craggly. Um, she used a three-inch biscuit cutter. Yeah, which I think is incorrect. I haven't looked at the recipe on Kitchen for a long time. But to get six out of that recipe, you actually need a two-and-a-half-inch biscuit cutter. So that could be the first thing. And I do think that the dough gets padded to less than an inch thick. More like three-quarters of an inch to get six biscuits. And it's worth noting because we just walked through the biscuit amount that I use or the recipe ingredient amounts that I use for 12 biscuits. The recipe on kitchen is is half of those amounts and is only for making six biscuits like just for your family. So again, I pat it down to about three quarters of an inch and then I'm using a two and a half inch biscuit cutter and I'm trying to get those cuts as close together as possible. And sometimes with that, I get seven or eight biscuits out of So it's interesting catch. because she said that the first time she made the recipe, she was able to get six, but then she had rolled the dough out or patted the dough out too thin and they didn't rise. They didn't get tall enough. Yeah. So it's probably just a matter of like experimenting a little and kind of perfecting and getting the right biscuit cutter size and getting as close to each other as possible. Yeah. And I'd actually be really curious as a follow up to know what type of flour she's using. Talk to us about why. Yeah. I mean, Erica mentioned this too. If you're using something like King Arthur flour, which is actually a higher gluten flour, then you're going to get a little more rise no matter how thin they are. And that's actually what that recipe was developed off of. But if you're saying, if you're using like gold metal flour or any other like all-purpose flour that is more generic they tend to be have less gluten less protein I know that's really weird it has to do with the wheat that King Arthur uses versus what a lot of like general mills use to make their flour and so having more protein and more gluten also means that the biscuits take a little bit more liquid so if she's finding that they're really hard to ro- like get thin and also fluffy, adding even just like a couple tablespoons of buttermilk could really improve the shape and rise oh, nice. of her biscuit recipe. Great. Yes. Okay. The second part of her question is that she's tried using frozen butter and very, very, very cold butter, but even the very, very, very cold butter ended up oozing out. Um, so she was wondering, like, is frozen butter absolutely key? 
And I feel like you kind of address this. It sounds like weather could have been an issue, like how much she was working. It could have been an issue. The solve is like not to let it get to the oozing point, but to pop the dough into the freezer before then as she sees it softening so that she can make sure it remains really cold throughout the whole process. Am I right? Did I do good? Yeah, I think that's like, (laughs) that's a great answer. But I'm also going to jump ahead to her third question, which which was about cooking time and how it was less for for her than it was for the recipe. And I just, she says, I have a crappy gas oven that likes to ruin all baked goods. And I actually would say, wonder if, it isn't a temperature flux in her oven that's causing her to have kind of oozing butter. Like she put them in and she thought her oven was at 450 or 425, but it wasn't quite, especially gas ovens take a long time to preheat. So a really easy way to remedy that would just be to buy an inexpensive oven thermometer and kind of pay attention to how your oven fluxes and know how much time it truly needs to preheat those really nice gas ranges like wolf and um what's the other one stacy that everyone has maybe it's just wolf they take like 30 minutes to fully preheat and even yeah, then it's a they lot. sometimes need more time so it doesn't make them bad ovens it just is what they require because they're gas ovens and they're really big got it okay and the last part of her question is when you're folding the dough, is it okay to add flour as you go if it starts to get too sticky? I know that adding too much flour can change the outcome of the dough, but when I'm folding it eight times, it keeps getting sticky. Yeah, definitely. I use about a quarter cup of flour every time I make biscuits for dusting the work surface and then also for the the folding process because when it gets sticky, you do need to add a little bit of flour. And I think that also helps with the flakiness because what you're doing is helping to like build those layers when you're very strategically layering in more flour amongst the layers of butter that you've created. Awesome. I just want to end with the fact that she calls your biscuits divine and that her family can't get enough of them. And she loves how quickly they come together and they don't even require a rolling pin. So yay. It's probably Um, the only thing that I'll ever be braggadocious about. Like (laughs) I make a bomb biscuit and I think the recipe is really good, even as it exists on Kitchen, if you're just starting out. And maybe we should, maybe I need to like shoot a reel and show how my dough looks so people can really get a sense of what it should look like. Is there anything else we need to know before we close out? You mentioned this with Erica, but if you're making biscuits, please go buy Trade Street jams, any of Ashley's jams to put on your biscuits. You will not be disappointed. Oh, delicious. And actually, I saw that Ashley's Trade Street jams are being picked up by some Whole Foods. So it's just a matter of time before she takes over the world because we're counting on it are as delicious as Erica's biscuits are delicious. I know, the two of them. Could you imagine what they'll do together? Yum. Yes. All right. You know what I'm going to go do, right? <laughs> go. I hope it's baked biscuits. Bake some damn biscuits. Finally, long overdue. <laughs> so let me go. I'm going to go. Make sure you're subscribed <laughs> to our newsletter. You're going to get an exclusive recipe. Every single week. You're also going to get a pick of the week every single week. Remember, we featured Erica's Biscuit Company, and you can get them shipped to your door. You can subscribe to our newsletter at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. Speaking of Instagram, you can find us there and on Facebook as at didn'tijustfeedyou. 
Just remember the real Facebook fun is happening in our private listeners community. The answer to be let in is whiskey. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And hey, tell a friend how much you love us and make them listen. If they don't know how to listen to podcasts, can you please show them? (laughs) Our music is Good Old Time by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A humongous thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. We love you, Sam. I am Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and biscuit well-fed. Until next week. Don't yuck on other people's yum. <laughs>